Thank you, Pastor Denny, for the chance to share with the church about what I'll be doing in Denmark. So like you said, my name is Nicole Jones, and I am a missionary associate to Denmark. And I think we've got some slides up where you can see a map of where it is. Um, so it's just north of Germany, and then I will be on that island way over by Sweden in Copenhagen. <laughs> um, Copenhagen is the capital. Um, we will be working with two campuses there, Danish Technical University and Copenhagen Business School. So just a little bit more information about Denmark. It's kind of small. Um, if you take two of our New England states and put them together, that's about the size of New England of Denmark as a whole. Um, not including Greenland, it would make it significantly bigger if you included the fact that they own Greenland. <laughs> um, so sometimes not many people know a lot about Denmark, and honestly, it's kind of hard to find some information about them because. It's just not a super well-known country. Um, but one of the more, some fun facts about them um, that always get the kids' attention, Legos were invented in Denmark. Um, or some popular stories that you guys might be familiar with, um, The Little Mermaid or The Snow Queen. Um, blame Disney for how annoying The Snow Queen is. Hans Christian Andersen did not write Let It Go. <laughs> um, but, so... That's just a little bit about Denmark. We can flip a couple of slides ahead. Um, so on campus, what we do is we have different evangelistic outreaches throughout the year. Um, right now, they're really heavy on those because students are just coming to campus. Um, and this is actually their first time where they get to be on campus in person in over a year. So my team is very excited. Um, it's a lot easier to make connections with students when you don't have to just talk with them on a computer and they do everything on the computer, so they're tired of the computer. <laughs> um, the camp in Copenhagen alone, there are 100,000 university students. Um, so if you take the University of Illinois in Chicago and multiply the undergrad by four, that's how many students are in Copenhagen alone. And we go on the campuses as missionaries instead of going out and trying to do like necessarily humanitarian work or church planting or things that you would typically think of as missions work. We go to the university because it's a place where the future leaders, politicians, teachers, doctors, parents of a country are looking for answers. They're open to worldviews that they may not have heard before, and they're shaping those things that are going to those ideas that are going to shape the rest of their future in their lives. And so we go in, and with these evangelistic outreaches, we make connections. Um, I know one of our more popular ones in the past has been coffee on campus, because um, what college student doesn't want coffee? <laughs> um, or in Denmark, it's really popular to ride bikes everywhere. There are more bikes than there are cars in the country. And so at the start of the year, we do a bike fix day so that if students are having issues with their bikes, they're not going to be having issues getting to class. Um, so we're meeting a practical need while we're make, making these connections and then inviting them to Bible studies throughout the week on their campuses. Um, but we fo have a heavy focus on discipleship. So once we make these connections, we don't just say, hey, come to Bible study and hear a message about Jesus once a week. We invite them into our lives and our homes. If we go shopping, we might say, hey, come with me. Well, let's talk while we're out having, getting lunch or while we're out buying our groceries for tonight. 
we'll have those conversations with them just as we're living life about what is God doing in your life? What is he teaching you in your devotional time? Are you having devotional time? Do you know what that looks like? Here, let me show you. Um, And one example of this is a student we'll call Lily. Uh, My teammate Michelle has has connected with her a couple times over the last year. Um, Lily is not a Christian, and she is studying anthropology. And she has decided to write a thesis on the Holy Spirit. Um, So she has been talking with Michelle about different ways that God speaks to you. Um, And Michelle has talked to her about how God often speaks to her through Scripture. And Lily has said that that's where she struggles the most because Scripture feels so restrictive. So Michelle suggested that one time they should get together and read through a chapter of the Bible and then read through it a couple times, and then take some time to just listen to God and experience him. So they read John chapter 4, where Jesus meets the Samaritan woman at the well, and they had five minutes of silence. And after that silence, Michelle asked Lily if she had heard or experienced anything. And Lily said she had a picture where she saw a well, and everything around it was brown, but she saw the figure of a man covered in light and she knew it was Jesus. And that man came to hug her and she physically felt it. So that is what we're doing on campus is we're showing these students that have heard of Jesus but don't really know him or maybe even haven't heard of him at all, that Jesus is real and he's not just a part of Europe's history that they don't want anything to do with because in Europe it's so tied to wars and persecution. So... But when I think about missions in general, not just in Denmark, I like to start with the end in mind. And you might be wondering if I'm talking about what the ministry in Denmark will look like or how many students I'll connect with over there. But I'm thinking a little bit more big picture. So I think about a picture that John shares with us in Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So just think about being John in this. He has followed Jesus on earth for three years, and he's continued to tell people about Jesus since Jesus ascended into heaven. And now he's seeing people from all over the world worshiping the man that he knows personally as Messiah. Can you imagine being in a room full of people with languages that you've never heard worshiping Jesus? If you've never been in a room like that, I encourage you to find one because it is amazing. You can connect with Jesus on such a different level when you don't necessarily know what words they're singing, but you know that they mean the same thing as the words you're saying because God is so amazing and he has that connection with everybody. And so to hear people connect with God in their own way, it's just amazing to see that. And I like to think of it as a small taste of what heaven will be like. But why do I start with this picture in mind? So in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, Paul says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, and what is unseen is eternal. So when it comes to missions, the things that we think about aren't really what matter. What we want or our plans for our lives aren't what, 
aren't what's important. It's what God wants. And God's goal is to have people from every nation worshiping him at the end of time. So what does that have to do with us? If God has a plan, it's going to happen, right? Of course it will. Um, but God likes to use people. And it kind of makes me think of a story that I have of some friends of mine who asked me to help with his proposal. He asked me to take pictures. And I can guarantee you those two friends would be married today, even if I hadn't been there that night. But the story is so much more special to me because I got to be a part of it. And just like that friend wanted somebody there that night to make the night more special, God wants his people to be involved in his plan. And it's so much more special. It'll be so much more special to us when we get to heaven and know this person is here because I did something. But it's always been part of God's plan to use people to bring the nations to himself. In Genesis, God blessed Abraham, but it wasn't just so that Abraham could be rich or even just have a son to pass those riches on to. It was so that all nations would be blessed through the birth of the Messiah who came from his line. In Exodus, when God freed the Hebrews from slavery in Egypt, he used Moses and Aaron to lead them into that freedom. And even the plagues on Egypt weren't just for Israel's benefit. They were for Egypt and all the surrounding nations to see the power and the glory of God. When he chose the people of Israel to be his chosen nation, it wasn't just because they were special. And in fact, he tells them that many times in the Bible that it had nothing to do with them. He showed wanted to use a people set apart for him to show the world what a relationship with him looked like. He called prophets to speak messages to return his people to true worship, but he also called them to speak to the Gentiles. In Isaiah chapter 49, verse 6, God says to Isaiah, It is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. So it wasn't enough for Isaiah to remind God's chosen people who they were. God wanted more for him. And even in exile, God used his people to bring glory to himself. He saved his people from the fiery furnace, from the lion's den, and from Haman's decree to kill all Jews. And in every instance, it led to the kings and people of other nations choosing to worship God. In the New Testament, Jesus spoke with the woman at the well and used her testimony to bring an entire Samaritan village to faith in Jesus. And even today, he's using that story to draw people like Lily to himself. So I know I've just listed a lot of information here, and it's not just to be an information dump. But I hope it's to show you that this has been God's heart for missions from the beginning. It's always been his goal to have a relationship with and be worshipped by all nations. And now he hasn't chosen people like Abraham or Moses or Isaiah or the woman at the well. He chooses to use us now. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18, All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So when I read these verses, two words in particular stick out to me. 
The first one is reconciled. I used to work in foster care case management, so this word is really important to me. It makes me think of the families that I knew who were torn apart by bad decisions and were thankfully able to be reunited and reconciled. But in the process, I saw the pain that it caused the, parent, the children who were innocent. I saw it caused the pain for the parents who wanted their children back so badly. And we were able to have conversations with them. We were begging the parents, this is what you need to do to get your kids back. Here's the resources to do it. And it reminds me of the pain that God feels being separated from his children and the pain that the ch his children don't even know that they are experiencing because they don't know what better life there is. And we have the resources to provide them with that relationship with God. We can reconcile them to God and let them experience the joy that they can have when they come back to him. The other thing that I think of is that, or the other word that stands out to me is ambassadors. So yes, we have these resources to tell people who God is and that they can still have a relationship with him. But ambassadors don't just stay in one place. They find out what their king wants and they go somewhere else and they tell, that, tell the other kingdom, this is what we want. We want a relationship with you. Ambassadors are always sent somewhere. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I remember growing up hearing this verse and thinking that I would be a witness in Jerusalem, or for me, that was St. Louis. Um, in fact, there's a Mercy Me song that I really liked called Here Am I, Send Me. And in the song, it talks about a guy just across the street in your hometown. I always pictured myself going to that guy and telling him about Jesus. And then in my freshman year of college, God started speaking to me about missions. I got involved with a campus ministry similar to the one I'll be a part of in Denmark. And I started all these things I told you about God's plan for Abraham to bless the nations and how God has had this heart for missions all through time. I started hearing all of those things over and over and over my freshman year of college. And I, it stood out to me, and I didn't know why, because everybody I knew who had done missions at that point had just stayed on and been a staff member at that campus ministry. And I knew that's not what God had for me. Until the following summer, when I went back to visit my old youth group, and my youth pastor said, some of you in here are going to be youth pastors. Some of you in here are going to be missionaries. And I didn't hear anything anybody else said for the rest of the night. <laughs> and it took a year and a half of going back and forth with God before I finally told him yes. Uh, but when I did, almost immediately, he finally told me, by the way, I want you to go to Denmark. And I was amazed because I thought for sure he was going to send me to Africa or Asia or Latin America, not the country I had only dreamed of going to since third grade. <laughs> so as I questioned if God could really be sending me to go into another country as a missionary, he reminded me of that Mercy Me song and told me, you've been telling me for years, here am I, send me. Several years later, when I finally told God I would go, he reminded me of another line of that song. 
And then another line of that song says, On the other side of the world, she stands on the ocean shore. Gazing at the heavens, she wonders, is there something more? Never been told the name of Jesus, she turns and walks away. And see, I had always had a picture in my head during this first two. And even though I didn't picture myself being the girl to go speak to her, I had a specific beach in mind when I listened to the line of this song. What I did not know until I got to go to Denmark as a tourist was that the beach I had in mind was the beach in Copenhagen. <laughs> and so I don't want there to be one more person in Denmark who has to wonder if there's more to life just because they've never heard about Jesus. And I don't want them to walk away from him when he's sitting there telling them, here I am, I am what you want. <laughs> and neither does he. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, Peter writes, But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And Jesus said he's coming back. And after 2,000 years of that promise, Sometimes we might lose some of the urgency or some of the immediacy of telling people that he's coming back. And I know that's something I've struggled with. But maybe he's waiting on us. After all, listen to what he told the disciples in Matthew chapter 24, verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So often when we hear of the end times, we're quick to think about wars and earthquakes and famines. And Jesus did say that all of those would happen. But when we start thinking of those things happening, it should not make us just more impatient and waiting. It should make us see the urgency in sharing the gospel of the kingdom because he said that he won't come back until every single nation has heard of him. Otherwise, how could there be someone from every tribe, nation, and language worshiping him in eternity? In Romans chapter 10, verse 14, Paul writes, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? So as we look forward to Jesus' return and worshiping him with our brothers and sisters from around the world, there's a few things we can do. Number one, you can pray. In Luke chapter 10, verse 2, Jesus told his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. They may not know it yet, but there are people all over the world ready to accept Jesus. They just have to hear about him. But there aren't always people willing to go and tell them. In fact, the verse that is used for send out in this First is the same word that, Jesus, that is used when Jesus casts demons out of people. There are few workers willing to go because they know their challenges, but it's, there's so much more of a cost to not going. Sometimes giving up, being here for family events, is, that's, what, that's something temporary. We have to keep our mind on the eternal of, if we say yes, yes, we're missing out on things. But if we say no, somebody else is missing out on eternity with Jesus. And Jesus explicitly told his disciples to go to the ends of the earth, but even they waited in Jerusalem until they were persecuted. 
So let's pray that we don't wait until we have the same problem. Let's go before we get there. <laughs> the second thing we can do is we can give to missions. Going back to that verse in Romans, just after that, Paul says, how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. God has called me to Denmark, but I can't get there on my own. It takes people sending me for me to be able to go. Living in another country costs money just like it does here in the U.S. So would you guys consider joining my team so I can help reach people like Lily? And the third thing we can do is go. In Matthew 28:19, Jesus said, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you, to the al with you always to the very end of the age. Not only does God want all the nations to know him, but he has promised that if you go to them, he will go with you. So as you're praying for God to send workers, ask him where he's sending you. Maybe there's a country that you've loved forever, like I've loved Denmark since elementary school, and you've never known why. It might be that he's placing a call on your heart to go speak to the people in that nation. He might tell you to go for a year. He might tell you to go for a lifetime. Or it might only be for a short-term trip, like a week or 10 days. But no matter what he asks of you, he will be with you. There is no go without low. God promises to go with us no matter what. So we, may we be bold enough to remember his promise and respond like Isaiah did in chapter 6 when God asked, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Let our answer be, Here am I, send me.